Welcome to What a Concept, the concept album podcast that talks about concept albums and rock operas. Yeah, Something like that. Right was I nailing it? No, I, that was great. No, you give it a try. No, that was the exact. Yeah, I want to hear your version. Ex- uh, uh, this is uh, this is welcome to the no. This is <laughs> this is what a podcast. The podcast. <laughs> what a concept. <laughs> yeah, no, mine's not good. I don't have it. But you just laid it out there. No, I think Why? we're using yours. I think yours <laughs> is, is the keeper. This is the podcast where we talk about concept albums and rock operas, and uh, we've bit we've bit off a big one today, so it might uh, uh, biting off a big one, biting uh, biting off a big one. Uh, the the classic uh, 1979 album from Frank Zappa, Joe's Garage, and uh, he also released the part two and three. What was that? 71, I believe. Is that correct, Rourke? No, uh, 79, according to Wiki. Uh, uh, 79 and, fuck, we're fucking, we're just fucking They're this. both 79, I believe. I think it's like September and then November, 79. September and November, cool. I think that's what, what Wiki, and then in 87 or whatever, they put them all together. Right, they, and uh, uh, three, discs. three discs. So each act had a disc, and... Uh, yeah, Zappa is uh, an amaz- amazing artist, and uh, this is, I would say, one of one of the most fully realized concept albums of all time, in my opinion. It's, uh, it definitely uh, it doesn't have the pitfalls of some of the other concept albums in trying to follow what's going on in the story because it has such clear narration. Yeah, the narration is such, a uh, uh, the uh, central scrutinizer is a wonderful uh, dramatic tool. Um, but let's set it up. Let's set up because it also just like uh, Kilroy is here in a way, and it has a lot of similarities with that, as you pointed out, um, and it touches on some of these things that a lot of rock operas do, which is a singular uh, guitar-slinging hero versus a dystopian, music-hating uh, future. That's true. It's, it is almost exactly the same setup. In that um, but, but I'd say that Zappa's uh, musical experimentation and the depth of his satire puts him far beyond a lot of other people trying to attempt those, uh, those themes. Yes, I, I, I agree. I heartily agree. So, I, I and, and I'd like to point out uh, some early things that happened in his life that might have uh, led to the depth of this work. Uh, he started out after a short period in advertising, which I think you can hear in, in his music. He satirizes American advertising and advertising music all throughout his uh, his musical life. Um, so he early, he had a short, early uh, working life in advertising, but then he went on to do some film scores. Uh, and again, that's working in a narrative form, which is great, but a, a, a local article described Zappa as the, the movie king of Cucamonga because of this film work. But the local police 
did, did you hear this story? No, I'm hearing it now for the first time. <laughs> the local police... But I like it. ...heard the term, the movie king of Cucamonga, and that led them to suspect that he was a pornographer. So they sent undercover vice officers to basically entrap him uh, with an offer of $100 to produce a suggestive audio tape for, for uh, purportedly a stag party. So Zappa and a female friend recorded a faked erotic episode, and he was arrested right before he turned over the tape. Uh, they stripped his studio of all the recorded music he had at the time, and he was charged with a conspiracy to commit pornography. It was a felony. Wait, this is before his... This is this before is... any of his... This is formative years. This is right after this he... This is before Mothers of Invention. Yes. Yeah, this is right at the time I think he was probably playing in a three-piece as a drummer, as well as starting to record as a, a composer and doing this film work. So for $100 to record this tape, he was sentenced to six months with... Uh, but then that was all suspended for 10 days. So he spent 10 days in prison or jail or whichever one they sent him what to. What an elaborate scheme to entrap somebody. To entrap Zappa, and they took... Uh, they kept 50 hours of the 80 hours of music he had uh, in the studio at the time. And he it led to him not being able to pay rent and being evicted. And was a pretty shitty period in his life. Um, and I think is is leads directly to his explorations of the themes of... Uh, government control and censorship and freedom of expression that he explores in Joe's Garage. Yeah. So, yeah, those two things, I think, as well as, uh, apparently, um, his, his ancestry on his father's side was Sicilian, Greek, and some type of, uh, Arabic, Arabic, and, uh, then in 1979 was also the time when they had the Iranian revolution, the Ayatollah Khomeini was installed. So, and he also rela released Shake Your Booty in 1979. Right. And, Which is another, that's another three CD, super long, epic uh, undertaking. Yeah, absolutely. So two other things. So in 10 years, in the 10 years between, uh, then, and uh, when he released the album, he worked on Xenocrony as a musical uh, concept, right. and and that features heavily on this album. And that's taking taking guitar tracks that you recorded live or somewhere else, and and then inserting them into something new, or having Vinnie Coliota, Coliata, however it's pronounced. Uh, sort of jam on top of pre-recorded stuff. Which is pretty, that's pretty nifty. That's a nifty And concept. it's pretty tough w to do. What's Zeno? Zeno, Zeno Crony, Strange Time. Zeno, like, like Xenophobe, and Crony as in, like, Chronicle Time. Time. So that was one thing he was working on. Another, th another thing he came up with was a compositional approach he called Conceptual Continuity. And, and this is basically any album or project was part of the larger meta body of work, the larger project, the conceptual continuity. And 
So any Frank Zappa work was a huge, huge project as well, part of this huge meta project of Frank Zappa work. Wait, wait, wait. So say that again. So hold on. <laughs> so this compositional approach he called conceptual continuity. And he was saying that any album or project by, by him as an artist or perhaps other artists was part of the larger project of that artist's body of work. So it was a conceptual continuity between, say, Shake Your Booty, which had um, the, the song about the uh, Jewish American princess, and then right. which was referred to in Catholic Girls. And Catholic right, Girls right. is also... You know, so he has this conceptual continuity so it's, between it's his. It's the Frank Zappa universe, and there's recurring exactly in the, the Frank Zappa universe. Exactly. Yep. The Frank Zappa and, universe. And there's a lot of uh, a lot of the sort of chord progressions and melodic content are uh, versions of, of or earlier versions exist in some of his other. Yeah, and a lot works. sometimes by different names, and and especially on this album. Um, Got it. I'm dialed in. You dialed in. So, uh, and then he also, before this, you know, went through a bunch of lawsuits with different record companies and breakups with different mothers of invention or mothers. And he also did in 1971 a two album movie soundtrack for the movie 200 Motels that he, he also did. And Which I haven't seen, but I would like to see. I haven't seen it either. It sounds awesome. It's got Keith Moon in it. Uh, it's about life on the road as a rock musician, which is also a theme that Joe's Garage is uh, has layered throughout. Um, so then he went, he resolved a bunch of his lawsuits, and in 1979 he was kind of free finally from a bunch of uh, record companies and whatnot. And I kind of see Joe's Garage, the the place, as being also. Um, well, it's actually the the name of it. What is it? The Muffin Company, that uh, oh, a Utility Muffin Research Facility. Yeah, and that's that's the name of his studio at the time. But I see Joe's Garage and the beginning of of the rock album as him finally in this paradise of I can create this music for me and only me. This is my music, and I'm going to play around with it. And that's what he's doing on Joe's Garage is making a making a musical statement for himself. And Joe's Garage to me symbolizes that paradise, and that paradise starts out the rock opera, and then we see Joe's fall from grace, if you will. And that gets us up to Joe's Garage. Um, <laughs> yeah. So all that just happens in the scrutinizer. Uh prelude in the beginning well that all happens in the life of the creator of of the rock opera and it's the setup for for this exploration of sexuality censorship theology and its interaction with government and uh what uh kelly fisher lowe in her, uh, or his, I don't know, in their, the words and music <laughs> of Frank Zappa, what they call the foolishness of white males. And so I don't, I don't know when you discovered Frank's Garage. I mean, 
<laughs> it is. It's Frank's garage. I don't know where, when and where you discovered Joe's garage, but it was one of the first things I discovered uh, from my brother's bedroom after discovering his pornography. You know, it was like, hey, there's these amazing pictures. I'm a young white male. And then I also discovered his copy on tape of Joe's garage, three tapes. And I... To me, it's interesting because I think I caught on to the satire of it even at that age when I was, you know, kind of clueless, but still in my formative years sexually. Uh, but I don't I didn't get the depth of how deep and dark it goes is some of it was just uh, beyond my imagination at that time. But but I'm pretty sure it's it doesn't fall into the trap of some satire where it it also uh it can be seen in, in a positive light from the what it's satirizing's view. So, I mean, Catholic girls could be chanted uh, by misogynists uh, and taken purely as a misogynist song, but I think that uh, Zappa's skills and satirical voice undercut that, I hope. Uh, and I... Th- think when I was an adolescent and listening to it, 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 it had that effect. I'm not sure. Um, but it's interesting to consider. I'd say Act One is all about this exploring the sexual morality of America at the time. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I think, I don't know that it's even possible. I don't think it's humanly possible to... Uh, create satire that cannot be yeah that's true it's uh, turned in on itself i think i think it will always be uh you know it, it can always be viewed it'll be appropriated by the very yeah that's trying to satirize regardless it. and i want to backtrack a little bit I, I do think that pornography can be uh can be enjoyed by uh people of all uh races colors and creeds i don't think it's just a white male oh no yeah the 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 well the white male quote was from the the, and i think people's any person's psychosexual health can be manipulated by government and theology and commerce and i think that's what it's really about not just white males but i think probably in 1979 um topically the and, and what he's trying to undercut is is that white male ascension rock and roll sex god ideal I, ideal uh, I, what idolatry yeah but he also as a uh, rock star himself uh, I think spent some time with quote unquote groupies and yeah so it's difficult to know where. Well, well let's stay, uh, the also again the central scrutinizer the 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 narrator is an interesting technique because he begins at the very beginning by okay well I'm going to tell you this story, but now you are in the future and music's been outlawed. I'm going to tell you a story about how music and sex and all that other stuff is bad. Well, yeah, sort of a cautionary tale. About, a cautionary uh, tale, but it's, it's so it's implicating us that we're now in the future when music's outlawed. Somehow we get to listen to this one great rock opera, though. 
So, yes. but it's established as a great storytelling device. Here's, I'm the voice of the this this government employee telling you this. And it, I believe it uh, predicts the uh, the ASMR uh, sort of quiet talk whispering uh, culture by several years. Hmm. Yeah. Are you familiar with the? Yeah. No. T- tell that, me more about this culture. I don't know much about it, uh, to be honest. But uh, there is a. Uh, oh, the whisper. Oh, yeah. Right. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. No. It's interesting and kind of crazy. But it's. I'm gonna whisper you. Know, everything's but gonna be calm. But isn't everything interesting and kind of crazy? Yeah, and it's also. Sometimes his narration turns into advertising voice and speak, too. So it's... Yes. And it, it uh, connects uh, conceptually, this conceptual continuity with the song The Slime is... I'm the Slime, yeah. Yeah, right. I Am the Slime is right there, right on. So Central Scrutinizer is laying it out, and he takes us into Joe's Garage which I, I think is just one of the great songs of all time about uh, being in a rock band. So it's, it starts out with that, and it has the neighbor lady screaming to turn it down, and she represents the American, another American voice for censorship. She's calling in the cops, and the cops come in already. So the, yeah. there's already that theme of censorship, but also the theme of the freeing music and that so what does the what is the loading zone announcement represent? i have no idea i was gonna ask you that but it represents something i was hoping you knew it, what it represents was. movement and commerce maybe i don't know because you have a loading zone both for appliances which we'll get to in act right, two right right and well and it, you the, also the have the rock and roll band on the road right oh there's a degree right, of authority right. in that voice well, and that there's a specific zone where you have to... Right. Uh, you're only allowed to load and unload. Yeah. Which represents... And that, uh, and the voice is very... I mean, it's pretty much the same as the central scrutinizer, right? Almost. Yes. Yes, it's very close. So, yeah. So, Joe's Garage, I mean, that's them finally, you know, becoming... Or not finally, but... but playing music in this wonderful time and place where they have some beers and it turns it into this symphony... And then yes. that leads them to a life on the road. Now, Zappa didn't do any drugs, but he did drink beer. Is that correct? I don't know, he but he, they that. certainly referenced beer. They said there's no dope or LSD, but the, what is it? The, what's the lyric? The half rack was enough? But a six pack of beer or a half rack of beer? I'm not sure. A couple of beers? No, it's something about a bunch it of beers symphony. being enough to turn it into a symphony. Now, the character that sings Joe's Garage... Yes. Is see now it was years later that I it That's what seems I, obvious that Joe is not singing Joe's Garage, but of course he's not because it's about Joe's Garage. Right. Uh, so I think so it's Larry. Larry, and that's that's again Zappa in the character of Larry. I'm pretty sure. Right. Right. And it has the terrific musical refrain of dee 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 lee lee dee dee. I mean, it's true. Just that's a perfect, it's just amazing, S- yeah. Speechless. 
so they enjoy playing the music. It gets them the eyes of the girls in the neighborhood. And so, suddenly there's some producer types with pens, and they get them on the road. But we also get the transition into, the, into Catholic girls. Right, 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 right. And so we go from Joe's Garage, which I think would be like Zappa's image of a, a sanctum sanctorum, a, a holy place to make music into the the weird catholic girls theology making uh you know the the madonna horror complex uh really a strange part of american sexuality and this is a pretty much his comment on that so it's again those themes of theology and governance and censorship but here it is with this weird kink of Catholicism making it bad and it being bad, being a good thing. (laughs) Right, 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 right. Now Zappa himself does not come from a Catholic background. I think he does. I think he's Italian Catholic, I believe. Okay. But, but I, uh, I'm not sure. Actually, no, with the, the quote, the, the religion he put on, I think it was Dweezil's, birth certificate uh, it was one of the kids birth certificates he wrote under religion he wrote musician so i like that i like that that's nice yeah so yeah uh and you know and later we get into uh the scientology yeah so uh, he hits both catholicism the old religion and scientology by way of of satire turning it into commerce uh well more com- blatantly commerce based scientology appliantology um in in act 2 yes <laughs> so but anyway so as a cautionary tale we have these good catholic girls and then the next song is about the crew slut and so mary is the good catholic girl joe's first love and she is uh, taken by these demonic uh, crew members of the rock crew with wrenches in their pockets. And they, uh, they her- draw her into the dark life of the crew slut, which involves uh, wet t-shirt contests. Right, 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 right. And there's almost a... Well, there's another musically uh, uh, libretto-type part where the the crew is enticing her. Very, uh, very American musical styling, I thought. Sort of West Side Story. Very Left Side Story-esque, yeah. Yeah. And then Fembot in a Wet T-Shirt is the name of the next track. And it's also just called the Wet T-Shirt Contest. And Which I think was the other single off of this album, right? Joe's Garage was a single, and I think, I think so. Yeah, I think it, th- those were the two singles. And Fembot uh, is is a reference, I think, to like a heavy metal al- album. Co- uh, no, I mean a heavy metal, the magazine cover or something like that. Uh, very possibly, I, I don't know. 
Certainly not from Austin Powers. It definitely predates... No, uh... definitely predates Austin Powers, but I think it belies the theme of, you know, the, the objectification of women leading to these sex appliances in the next act, but be, calling a woman a fembot is definitely an obje objectifying thing. Well, it's not right. even a woman, it's a robot, but shaped like a woman in a wet t-shirt contest. And I, I think the satirical voice is very clear that, you know, this isn't a song supporting necessarily wet t-shirt contests as, a, as an art form, but uh, satirizing that that culture i don't know i mean again it's a it's a thin blade to walk across it's a thin t-shirt it's a thin it is a thin thin uh, cotton mill like cotton t-shirt yeah now did you hear i i think there's a few parts in this when he's doing the voiceovers and stuff where he sort of cracks up and improvises a little bit and cracks up with the the improvisa improvisation I was wondering whether that was... Uh, I don't know, but it certainly sounds like it on this track. Uh, I don't know. I thought, like, the uh, the ice pick and all of that, it seemed like he and... Uh, I'm, I'm not sure who is doing the woman's voice were just cracking each other up with that. But I don't know. Yeah, I think, I think that's probably genuine uh, amusement. A genuine mirth. Genuine mirth. Genuine mirth. Is that so? That might be. Is that Dale Bozio? That's. Uh, What's that? The lady part. So Terry Bozio's wife is one of the it, one of the female. Oh, that might be Dale Bozio. You're right. And isn't it interesting? I mean, just you mentioned Terry Bozio, but this album mentions. Well, it it has. It's it touches on three of the great drummers of all time. Um, Terry Bozio does. He plays one of the characters, but. And he, he was he had, you know, played the black page for Zappa not a couple years before this. But you know, Zappa really wanted, I guess, to do this one with Vinny. So Vinny's the actual drummer on this album, even though Terry Bozio does some of the characters. And then Yeah, he's bald headed John. And then again in in one of these I think it's an instance of Zappa like really fucking around and, and having fun at the very end. Um, of the whole of the whole rock opera, he he's going off, and I think he's giving Coloyota uh, Coloyodu, however it's pronounced, uh, shit by calling him a Steve Gadd clone, and talking about him playing on the click track and stuff. It's it's pretty hilarious. Yes, yes. Um, well, there's a lot of anti-Toto references in this uh, musical. Oh, anti. Well, have you noticed it? Yes. Other anti Toto. It's in. Yeah, I wish I had written it down. Oh, you. Well, you know, we can always pause and you can go find the anti, because <laughs> I, that, that's golden anti Toto references. So the wet T-shirt contest leads them to on the bus, and that's a, a great jammy tune. Mm -hmm. What do you have to say about it? <laughs> 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 yes. Um, well, what does the bus represent? The bus is the uh, the vessel that ultimately takes us away from the garage, right? And into the next chapter of life. And, it sort of and, is the catalyst, and further toward the downfall. 
of what Lucille has done uh, to poor, poor Joe. I'm not sure if it happens on the bus, but um, the next song, (laughs) Why Does It Hurt When I Pee? Which is based on an actual, uh, that's an actual question posed to Zappa from his road manager or somebody like that. Well, it's a good question. And, you know, it really, I, I think when you're asking that question, it's of the most important things at that time. If it hurts when you pay, pee, you're not having a pleasant time the rest of your life either. Yeah, you're reluctant to pee. Well, you never notice how much you pee until it really fucking hurts. Right. And, and so Joe, our, our innocent and quite naive and dumb uh, white male hero, now has a burning pee-pee. And from Lucille. Fr- from Lucille, uh, who, right. who worked at a Taco Bell, if I remember correctly. That's right. No, Jack in the Box? No, maybe it was Taco Bell. Was it Jack in the Box? It was Jack in the Box. I, I think you're right. It's one of those two. It was not Carl's Jr. or Chipotle. Did Carl's Jr. or Chipotle even exist at that point? I don't think I so. I don't think so. I think you're right. So, uh, and then we get... Lucille has messed up my mind because not only did she miss, mess up his, uh, his own personal symbol of the patriarchy, his pee-pee, uh, she right. messed up his mind. And uh, do you have the scrutinizer postlude? Uh, here, let me bring up the lyrics in my... Yeah, bring up some lyrics. Possible, well, possible while you lyrics do that, uh, I'll, I'll read a quote uh, from Zappa, but, but not from the postlude. Um American sexual attitudes are controlled as a necessary tool of business and government in order to perpetuate themselves. Unless people begin to see through that, to see past it to what sex is really about, they're going to have some neurotic attitudes. It's very neatly packaged. It all works hand in hand with the churches and political leaders at the point where elections are coming up. So, again, he's very concerned about governmental control of sexual mores and not just governmental but societal you know the commerce government theocrats all of all of that right all right so eventually it was discovered that god did not want us all to be the same and this was bad news for the governments of the world as it seemed contrary to the doctrine of portion controlled servings and this is where new laws are manufactured making it possible for anyone to violate them any time of the day or night and once we had all broken some kind of law, we'd all be at the same big happy club. Right there with the president, the most exalted industrialists, and the clerical big shots. Total criminalization. Cool. Well, that's act one. This is where music is eventually made illegal. And 
I'm going to guess if you're uh, a kid discovering Joe's Garage and probably tape number one was where, you know, the majority of your focus uh, was, was held. Yeah, I mean... It's got, it's got most of the, the quick poppy, easily accessible tunes. I would say so, but I think he gets deeper into everything in the next couple of acts. Would you agree? It's true, it's true he does. I agree heartily. Well, and you get, uh, you get more of the uh, Zappa as the sort of film scoring uh, mastermind. You get long instrumental sections yes. that just sort of paint. But they work. The they work in the narrative, I'd say, just um, amazingly. Um, oh, certainly. You want to? <laughs> <laughs> I think he nailed it. That was good. Where, where do we start out in Act Two? It's Act Two. Act Two, a- Act two. opens up with okay. So with uh, so Joe's Garage. Uh, Act Two and the the liner notes from Act Two and Three reiterate uh, some of what the central scrutinizer said at the end of Act One. And I'll I'll read some of the liner notes off. That'll get us back in. Eventually, it was discovered that God did not want us all to be the same. This was bad news for the governments of the world, as it seemed contrary to the doctrine of portion-controlled servings. Mankind must be made more uniformly if the future was going to work. Various ways were sought to bind us all together, but, alas, sameness was unenforceable. It was about this time that someone came up with the idea of total criminalization, based on the principle that if we were all crooks, we could at, le- at last be uniform. Total criminalization was the greatest idea of its time and was vastly popular except with those people who didn't want to be crooks or outlaws. So, of course, they had to be tricked into it, which is one of the reasons why music was eventually made illegal. And we start off with a token of my extreme, which... Is this the one that's in sort of a disco style? This is the uh, our, our introduction to the Church of Appliantology and L. Ron Hoover and the whole idea of the sexual fetishization of uh, appliances. And yes, I'm sure it is in a <laughs> disco beat. Um, it's it's very catchy and. Uh, did you say sexual fetishization? Fetishization? No, I said I said fetishization. Fetishization. Oh. Um, of course. Yeah, I've got a uh, a mouth for radio. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that means. Um, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so yeah, so it's a church based on fetishizing. What you fucking say it. No, I like No, it. you try and say it. It's hard to say. Try Fetishizing? <laughs> Fetishizing. Yes, that. Fetishizing. Doing that to appliancing. Uh, appliances. Um. <laughs> appliances? Appliances. Uh, fetishized appliances. appliances. Um, so that introduces us uh, through the character of Joe, our, our naive white middle class rock and roll every day every doofus um to and tells him to go into the closet 
with his fetish. Uh, and and they is it ever expressly stated that he's white is that in the no no i i don't think it's that no that's that's all from editorials later so he might he might not be you're right i'll stop calling him white <laughs> he's a it's he's just an every doofus his skin color has nothing to do with his doofishness that's true yes so this he's but he is extremely uh malleable by by social forces, let's say, right? Right, right. That's true. Which leads to his downfall, I'd say, and and his uh, his lapse into insanity. Well, I think music is what led to his downfall and lapse into well, insanity. Well, music led to all of his downfall, yeah, because music is terrible. Um, I agree with that. So, stick it out is the next tune, a little tuna rune, dune. Um, Tunaroon Dune of this Zaptacular. It is a Zaptacular. And S- Stick It Out is about uh, I, I, uh, how, how would you take it? I kind of took it as him maybe not actually being into appliances in the beginning, but he sticks it out and, and learns to appreciate the sexual uh, proclivities of these appliances. This Well, a lot of these tracks are sort of melded together in my brain yes. as one long track. So I'm trying to... Is this where he learns German and goes to the... Yes, and before he meets Cyborg, the third love of his life. Okay. Uh, this is the one where he is put in... He's put into a costume as a maid. And right. I didn't... I failed to um, trans Google Translate what it actually says uh, in Stick It Out. So... Um, it's a good song. <laughs> it is good. It's catchy. Catchy, catchy tune. tune. <laughs> you can dance to it. And uh, and so there's the the magic pig with uh, with phalluses all over it. Uh, right. And uh, I believe that is also cy- is that cyborg or is cyborg a different sex bot? No, I think that is cyborg. Is the but I could be wrong. I, I'm that's how I pictured it in my mind. And so stick it out. He gets dressed up and learns to speak German because they like that. And then he is subservient to cyborg. But uh, he is way too enthusiastic about his relations with cyborg and breaks cyborg and kills cyborg. Well, and that's when. That's when the they swoop in on him, right? Yeah, that that's when he is is thrown in jail, um, and so music is outlawed. But he's actually seems to be arrested after uh, his sexual prowess or uh, lack thereof destroys the property of the Church of Implantology. So music really had nothing to do with it. Uh, at, at this point, it doesn't seem that, but they put him into prison with all of the... So people, uh, music is outlawed, and so are music executives. So prison is a deep hell filled with music executives. And uh, what they do to him there is uh, fairly grotesque, let's say, those executives those music executives and I'd say those executives and the uh, greasy lube job they give him uh, is one of the things that, that that's 
leads to him retreating into his own mind and imagine a great rock and roll instead of where he is. Would you say? Yeah. Well, I think we're all we're all imagining great rock and roll instead of where we are, though, right? That's a basic human quality. I would say so. I would say so. So Cyborg's destruction leads directly to the song Dong Work for Yuda, which is, uh, I guess, Yuda is a crew member or someone, I can't remember who exactly, but uh, so they decided to memorialize his dong in song. And that, of course, leads into Keep It Greasy, uh, a lubacious ode to being penetrated. Did you just invent the word lubacious? Did I? Did I just coin lubacious? I think you coined it. Awesome. Lubacious. And keep it greasy lyrically. I, I don't know. Do you have the lyrics of that one up? No, well, now I don't have the iPad. What, what'd but you I do with the iPad? But I will say keep it greasy was something that used to... Uh, I don't know where it went. I had it before the break and then it disappeared. <laughs> Uh, but it used to show up in my, my yearbook sometimes. People would write that. And I, I guess I didn't know the reference. Uh, Keep it greasy. Who wrote that in your yearbook? It's a, it, uh, all the, the girls and guys. Everybody. <laughs> math teachers. Everybody. What were they trying to tell you there, Rourke? I, I don't know. Well, I have some lyrics for... Uh, I think it might be what what's he says during peak, uh, Keep It Greasy. I'm not quite sure where it happens. It's either then or at the beginning of Outside Now. Um, These executives have pluked the fuck out of me, and there's still a long time to go before I've paid my debt to society. And all I ever wanted to do was play the guitar and bend the string like rint-tune, 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 <laughs> I've got it. Which is yeah, that's beautiful. I'll, I'll be sullen and withdrawn. I'll dwindle off into the twilight, realm of my own secret thoughts. I'll lay on my bed here till dawn in a semi-catatonic state and dream of guitar notes that would irritate. Just beautiful dreaming of guitar. Yeah, notes. that really that might maybe the greatest line in the in the whole piece. It really yeah. I mean, it's that's the theme that. That even in the depths of a, a prison, a censorous prison, he is still able to, in his imagination, go ring do ring do ring do read a read a read do dee. You know, he's still able to play the imaginary music. Well, and also, anytime I'm I'm confronted with a, a situation in life that is sort of beyond my ken, mm-hmm. I ultimately conclude I've got it I'll be sullen and withdrawn that's my solution for most of life's right. challenges right I'll be sullen and withdrawn and he he says that again and again I mean that's a refrain being sullen and withdrawn withdraw into my musical mind and we also get a reappearance of Mary he has a vision of Mary the the original uh the 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 Catholic girl the Catholic girl the uh, angel slash devil Catholic girl shows up and she has a, a bunch to say but the the quote that I think is is just turns into you know Zappa speaking poetry and satire and everything at the same time uh, where she says information is not knowledge 
Knowledge is not wisdom. Wisdom is not truth. Truth is not beauty. Beauty is not love. Love is not music. Music is the best. And then, yeah. And then... Which, isn't that what you have uh, tattooed on your chest? Doesn't it say, music is the best? Something like that. One of the one of those phrases is nearly tattooed on my chest. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to go into that completely. All right. Okay. And then, uh, and then at uh, at a point, Joe slash Frank in his head tells the audience that he likes them too. And then he. Tells the, tells the critics of prehensile minds to take a squad on the cosmic utensil, which I think, again, shows that it was this was Zappa writing this shit for himself. And if anybody else liked it, he liked them too. But, you know, go sit on the cosmic utensil. It's a pretty good thing to say. <laughs> yeah, it depends. What is the cosmic utensil? Exactly. I think it has something to do with the loading zone. Oh. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So outside we're, outside we're, now is is when he finally gets he finally gets out. And and he sees the what the world has become. Yes. And he can't he's not allowed to play music anymore. So, yes. Then we get to Act Three, and that's and you get those wonderful sort of um, you see sort of a post-apocalyptic, desolate cityscape. Yes, uh, portrayed in song, sounds, notes, sound and notes. The parts, just the instrumental bits with no words, perfectly paint a uh, a uh, dismal future. Dis- dismal future. <sighs> so in that dismal future we we hear that he used to cut the grass. He that nice boy. Which is is sort of the same refrain you hear about certain serial killers and criminals like that. Interesting. Uh, th- you know that's not I hadn't thought right? of that but that's true. It's I mean and that's not necessarily what it's about but it is like oh he used to cut the grass but he's back. He doesn't cut the grass yes. anymore, so the grass must be growing. <laughs> Do they even have grass in this post-apocalyptic future? That's a very good question. Is it all zeroscape? Very good question. I know. I'm full of those. So, in this future, you're not allowed to play music, but, you know, Joe, Joe goes to his day job, sees the muffins go by, at the muffin factory, but he is able to retreat still into his mind. And this leads through Packard Goose. Uh, this leads up to the one instance where, or maybe there's, there's two instances. I think maybe uh, on the bus or something also has guitar recorded live for the album by Zappa. But the other yes. the other instance is watermelon and Easter hay, which is gorgeous and represents, I think, the imaginary guitar notes that uh, that Joe is is using 
to shelter himself from the savages of reality. And the central scrutinizer says, Joe has worked himself into an imaginary frenzy during the fade out of his imaginary song. He begins to feel depressed now. He knows the end is near. He, he has realized at last that imaginary guitar notes and imaginary vocals exist only in the imagination of the imaginer, and ultimately, who gives a fuck anyway? And Zappa cracks himself up with this line and, and riffs on it a little bit wonderfully, and then it leads into this guitar work that's in, like, some crazy time signature, like 9-8 or something, I don't know. It's, it's insanely gorgeous, and and feels like an imagined an imaginary guitar lick you would imagine <laughs> it's a little bit wonderful it is isn't it a little a little bit wonderful zappa called it his uh his best guitar solo or something along those it's it's i mean it it points out that the music takes the theme of the album and I, I don't know. You're sitting there listening to it, and you're along with the story still the whole time. I thought. Yes. It's an, well. It's another great uh, sort of uh, almost orchestral score, but done with yeah traditional rock instrumentation. And uh, you know, and leads up to sort of the coda on the end of it a little green rosetta which is a catchy catchy tune and again it involves uh zappa throwing shit at steve gad well throwing shit well talking shit to coliato coliuti colati uh colada um he's he's actually talking smack to colada as colada plays and and zappa's listening to the track but he also throws down on all overly technical musicianship, you know. I I would even argue that the music gets uh, gets technical to the point of uh, absurdity. Absurdity. Yeah. So, I guess one thing I I think and is maybe my thesis is that the the. The flexibility and uh, thought that that Zappa has engineered into the music, hopefully, uh, kind of has like a Meyerholdian thing where it breaks you from the obvious misogyny that you might you might have feel with the lyrics, you know, and it right. and it kind of is able to t- pull you out of that and help you see that that's something. You know, that's something that he's satirizing. That is, uh, I don't know, maybe it's just me trying to shove it, uh, a simple concept into more highfalutin terms than it really is. But it feels like to me, all of the musical techniques he uses, uses put it beyond just uh, uh, songs that are f- for, for easy consumption. Oh, this is not an album for easy consumption at all. I think this is a... Uh, to to listen to it front to back requires a significant resolve, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And, but it's rewarding. 
rewarding as hell. It is rewarding. And do you think that the the do you think hell's rewarding though? <laughs> hell's sort of the opposite of rewarding. You got me there, sir. You got me there. Do you think uh, the use of of the central scrutinizer slash uh, godlike narrator? Uh, do you think he? uses that as sort of a deus ex machina or since it's the type of it's a rock opera form you can do whatever the fuck you want within the sonics of the piece I do think it uh, it pushes the boundaries of the form by having that narrator throughout it uh, enables stuff well and then he steps out of the narrator and to sing the last song to sing in his real voice yeah and and again that's a that's like a. I think I think I'm quoting my Russian uh, theater directors correctly. A Meyer Holdian technique of addressing issues. I was just gonna let that fly by. Was it Meyer Hold? I was not gonna. Or is it Meisner? I, I don't know. I'm just gonna let. I don't know. I'm gonna Brecht. let it happen. It's Brecht. It was not Paul Verhoeven. I'm gonna say Brechtian this time. No, it was it was okay. Meyer Hold directing Brecht. I think in Mother Courage and Her Children. Uh, sure. Sounds good, right? Anyway, I like it. The the technique of using uh, of showing that we're in a storytelling form, and using that break to uh, extrapolate on your themes clearly. And it's Zappa esque yes. in its intricacies. <laughs> Zappa was often Zappa. Zappa was very Zappa esque. And uh, he had a continuital conspiracy, whatever he called it. <laughs> continuity. Conceptual continuity. Conceptual continuity. Absolutely. Um, any other thoughts on... Well, so this is his last album recorded... Uh, I believe he completed uh, his studio, his own studio. Oh, so the- during the making of this album. So this is the last album that was recorded in the... So he had a lot of freedom here, but he was actually going on to even greater freedom. Oh, yes. Uh, oh, yes. Good for, good for Frank. Yeah, it was great for great Frank. Great for Frank for and great for us. And great for us, ultimately. Ultimately. So what... Now we know where, you know, where the... Uh, the themes are with this, but what are some of the hidden, what are the hidden messages? The hidden messages, good question. What, yeah. Well, I, I think uh, maybe the most important hidden message is, is at the end there, maybe it's not hidden because he comes out right and says it, but uh, where, where he says, who gives a fuck anyway? You know, I'm spending my time imagining music in my own head. And who gives a fuck anyway if, if it's just in my own head or it's out there in the world? And I think uh, that's what led him to, to do this project. I think, and it's interesting because it wasn't started as a concept album. It was started as a bunch of jams and songs and partway through he decided to turn it into a concept album yeah I think that you can hear well at least in like the 
that first track uh, where you meet the central scrutinizer, that very much feels like a a jam that could have very well been intended for something else that became became a rock opera piece. And I, it seems like he was excited about this emerging story, too, to me. It seems like he was... And who wouldn't be? Emerging stories are the most exciting thing there is. <laughs> that And that's what the a hidden message, I'd say. That's what we all want to do is tell a story. We're, we don't want a bunch of uh, discombobulated miscellany. We want a story. A narrative. What would you say are some, some secret themes? Um, Besides hate for you, Toto. Yeah, hate for Toto is where I was going to go. <laughs> hate. For I think it's implied that the guys with wrenches in their pockets were roadies for Toto. Oh. I think it's implied somewhere. I don't know where. But you have a feeling, a strong suspicion. I did a lot of I did a lot of uh, washing the dishes while listening to this album, so uh, there was some. It's a good album to wash dishes too. Noise. It's one of the better dishwashing albums. Do you have? Because you get lost in those long jams. Do you get lo lost lost in your dishwasher's eyes? But that goes back to the appliance. Uh, yeah, I was quoting fetishism, I suppose. Quoting the appliantology handbook. Yes. Yes. Yeah.